Hello, and welcome again to Adventures Among Ideas. Today, I'm going to try to talk about um, John Dewey's Theory of Valuation. I've been reading this for the last couple of weeks, especially the last week, and I'm going to try to talk about it, but it's a little difficult. I'm not going to go through all of it. It's... um a longer thing than I usually would try to talk about, but I'll try to talk about some parts of it. So the theory is um, text, I guess you might call it. The text, the theory of valuation, uh, came out in 1939. It was actually the same year, I think, as his book Logic, The Theory of Inquiry. So I guess that was an important year. Um, but theory of valuation, this was part of the, it's not really a book, but it's part of the International Encyclopedia of Unified Science, which was a project of the Vienna Circle, the Vienna Circle of Logical Empiricism, which was trying to unify science, unify all the different parts of science and show the foundations of science and uh, yeah, tie it all together. Uh, it wasn't, the whole project wasn't, I think, totally completed, but they... There were some volumes of it came out in the 1930s and maybe later too. So Dewey uh, was writing for that. And uh, yeah, it was an interesting project, but I don't want to really get into de the details of that. I want to try to talk about his theory of value so far. And I have um, kind of more notes than usual. So this might be a little longer than usual, but um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So, yeah, he wants to, he has a couple of goals. Of course, he wants to talk about value. What is value? And this was an important and still is an important topic in philosophy, sometimes called axiology. I don't, not sure where that term comes from, but uh, Dewey doesn't use it, doesn't use that term. But you sometimes will hear the, hear the word axiology as the theory of value. And he wants to show how valuation is something observable, how it's empirical, how we can study it. And that's kind of his main goal, I think. His main approach towards thinking about value is looking at it, maybe scientifically, whatever that might mean. And so what is value? Well, in section one, he talks about... Uh, there's conduct, there's behavior that's impulsive or maybe reflexive or mechanical. And this is not behavior that is value or has, uh, has valuation that um, makes value uh, valuations. At least we don't normally talk about it that way. Um, so other, but other behavior, behavior besides this kind of impulsive, reflexive, uh, reflexive mechanical behavior does involve value so like there's lots of things that happen that are just impulsive that we don't think about we just do or bodily processes that are just kind of mechanical they go on and we don't usually talk about those as valuative as having um as involving values so he's interested in these other kinds of behaviors where we're maybe reflecting and choosing a kind of goal that we're aiming toward. Um, and later in the, the his entry here for the encyclopedia, he talks about 
Valuations take place when something is the matter, when there's some problem, when something is wrong, and we can't just do the normal thing. So we can't just go by habit um, or impulse. We have to evaluate the situation, figure out what's wrong, what we actually want, and then value comes into existence. So for example, uh, so either existing conditions are threatened and you value, you make a value that you want to keep, that you make a valuation that you want to keep conditions as they are. You don't want them to change. So that's one kind of valuation. Or you don't like the existing conditions. They're not satisfactory for you and you want to change them. So there's a, you negatively value the existing conditions and you have a put a higher value, a positive value on some other state that you want to move towards. So valuation takes place when there is action towards an end in view. He's going to use this term end in view for where you're trying to get, the thing that you want to get. And then there's also, of course, the actual end that you get that happens, which might be different than the end in view, than the thing you actually want. Um, any deals at the beginning with um, some problems related to valuation? So it didn't used to be a problem. I think he sees that the philosophical problem of value comes into being when we start splitting off the study of certain phenomena from others. So we start making um, statements of fact about astronomy, about celestial bodies moving, about physics, you know, about how different particles are moving and influencing each other and similar chemistry similarly you're talking about um, how molecules are interacting and these do not seem to involve statements of value so there's no value when um, a planet moves in relation to some other object in the universe in the solar system there doesn't seem to be any value involved and likewise, in physics and chemistry, there's, uh, you know, when, a, when one chemical interacts with another chemical, we don't talk about there being value involved. The one chemical, the one molecule doesn't value the other chemical. It's just kind of a brute process. Uh, that's how we came to look at it. But then, so how, how do we ta then talk about human issues, human behaviors? Because um, we do talk about values then. And so that becomes a whole problem of uh, how do we talk about those if we have these scientific this scientific language to talk that uh, to talk about certain kinds of things that are happening in the world, um, but we don't talk about that in an evaluative kind of way. How do we talk about what's going on going on in the human world in social life? So that's where this problem anyway, where this problem seems to come from of why it's a philosophical problem in the first place. But I don't want to deal with that too much. Uh, so one view of value expressions, like I like this or whatever I want this, um, is that they express feelings. So this is one view that Dewey wants to reject, that it, um, statements of value simply express our feelings about something. So like this is good, expresses your feeling. Uh, Dewey thinks this is not enough, that it's insufficient because expressions of value like this is good or I want this or um, even something like help you're asking for help um, 
are bits of language, their behaviors that alter other people's behavior. They have that function. So when you say something that is, when you say something is good, it means that you want more of it. You want someone to give you more of it, or you want uh, to keep that situation going. So it has a behavioral function. And they're not simply about your feelings, your present, your feelings at the present, but they're oriented toward the future. So again, so you want to keep this good thing around. You want to keep this situation continuing, something like that. Um, going on to the, the next section. So valuation has something to do with liking and disliking. And again, empirically, in an observable sense, this is about whether a person is trying to maintain the existing, already existing conditions. So you like the situation as it is and you want it to continue or whether about the person is trying to change existing conditions. So whether you dislike the uh, situation you're in and you want to move towards some other kind of situation. Uh, and Dewey also makes an important distinction here between wish and desire, a wish and a desire. So valuation is going to involve desire. So this is one of the key, the key points of his theory of value is that it's based on desire rather than wish. So his view of wish, and this is kind of the non, there was another theory of wish at the time, the Freudian theory of the wish. I think this is um, probably has no relation. I think Dewey uh, doesn't, uh, I don't think that he has that all in mind. I don't recall Dewey um, saying much ever about Freud, which is interesting. He probably does somewhere, but uh, anyway, so wish in Dewey's sense is you stating that you, you're stating that you want something, but you don't exhibit any actual behavior to get that thing. You don't actually expend any effort towards um, getting that thing. So you don't really value it in his sense. So, um, a stated wish recognizes maybe that there is a lack, some lack in the situation, some problem in the situation, but it doesn't go along with efforts to change that. Um, so there's kind of a difference maybe between I wish, I'm going to use the example of money, of getting money um, as I talk about this theory. So there's a difference between saying I wish I had more money, like oh, I wish I had more money, um, versus you know I want more money and I'm going to work to get more money. So there, a wish is idle. You would say it's something idle that doesn't have effort going along with it. Whereas desire is something where uh, that effort, you see effort going along with it. So effort and de desire are essentially connected in Dewey's theory. All right. And there, it also, uh, so valuation is also connected with interest. And interest is interrelated with desire. So you've got desire, interest, and valuation. So saying that something is valuable, that happens because we have desires and interests. So what is interest? This is uh, something observable in a person. He says having a stake in the course of events. So how things happen matter to you. And so you try to direct the course of the of the of events. You try to direct the course of events toward one outcome rather than another. So this is interest. You have a stake in how things happen, and you are um, involved in kind of changing the course of events. 
So you want things to go in this direction rather than in this direction, and that shows your interest. So you have your desire, you want it to go in this, uh, in this direction, but you your interest is shown by involving yourself in events that move things in that direction towards that thing that you desire. Um, yeah, so we talk about, uh, Dewey doesn't use this example, but we have phrases like financial interest, which I think you can tie into this as an example. So when someone has a financial interest in something, right, they, you expect that they will um, direct events towards a way that is beneficial to their financial interests, right? So that can be good or bad. We often think about it in a bad way, like conflicts of interest and so on. So that's another way, you know, thinking of a conflict of interest is another way to get into what Dewey is talking about, I think. Um, so in the next section, um, section four of his encyclopedia article, he, uh, what is he doing? He's trying to show how value propositions uh, regulate our behavior going forward. So he's giving more detail about how value propositions, how that are actual um, values and not, not actual, that show actual desires and not just um, wishes, regu actually regulate our behavior. So value propositions coming out of our desires and interests. So things that we say that we value, basically statements of value or uh, the statement of an end or having an end in mind, an end in view, um, regulates our behavior. So a value proposition is a statement about what should be the case, right? So stating that, um, you know, for example, stating that you want more money versus, you know, I wish I had more money. So something like, well, money is good, right, is a, also a value proposition, or spending time with family is good, another kind of value proposition which um, will regulate your behavior, which set up an end in view, I think Dewey would say, and this uh, will direct your behavior towards that end. Um, and so he brings in the concept of appraising here, appraising or prizing something. So we appraise what is in our situation as a means for attaining what we value. And this has consequences for our appraisal of ends. So you start to get here uh, something which is very um, kind of well known in Dewey's theory, at least for people who know about Dewey, is the relation between means and ends. Uh, and so appraising, so you appraise what is in your situation for, uh, as it can work for attaining the end that you want. So we may have the end of making a lot of money, for example. We think money is good, we want, we want to make a lot of money, but perhaps the means at your disposal, the resources, for example, that you have in the situation you're in, using those would require so much effort, right? You don't have, maybe you don't have very many resources to begin with, you don't have very many skills or talents or whatever. Um, and so the effort required to actually make a lot of money would be so much that you decide um, to give up that end. You decide it's actually a bad end. Or you might decide it's a bad end. You might 
it may require you to do things that you don't really don't want to do that conflict with your ethics and so you decide that money is a bad end there's a a, a statement that popped into my mind as I was saying that, um, which I don't know who said it, but the way to be successful is to figure out what the price of success is and then pay it, right? What is the price for success? And then you pay that price and, but sometimes we don't wanna pay that price. We decide it's too much to pay. So that's deciding that um, the end is bad because the means are bad or the means are, you know, require too much effort or require you to do things you don't want to do. So connection of um, ends and means there, you get a little bit, which I'll talk about some more, but I don't want to, um, yeah, so I'll talk about it a bit more later, I think. I'm going to try not to talk too long because these are supposed to be short. So um, our ends, Dewey says, our ends should be formulated in terms of the conditions in our situation, so the obstacles and resources in our situation, if we want our behavior to have any chance of success. So if we're going to have a, any chance of successfully attaining our ends, we should formulate them in terms of the options in our situation, the resources in our situation, or the hindrances or obstacles in our situation. And not doing so is going to be a sign of immature, immaturity for um, Dewey. So yeah, and the more separate our ends are from our means, the more likely failure, the more likely we're not going to be able to get our ends, the goals that we want to achieve. And yeah, so this is the, again, the famous part of, one of the famous parts of Dewey's theory, ends and means are interrelated with each other. And uh, the valuation of, and yeah, so how we appraise means is a condition for appraising ends or valuation of means is a condition or the condition um, for appraising ends. Okay, so going on to next section, which I won't say much about, uh, section five of his article. So here he talks about how value only comes into being along with ends in view. I've already kind of uh, talked about that, I think. So value, we only value um, value things when we start to have an end. So one example he uses, which ties into my uh, money example, is if you inherit a bunch of money, this is Dewey's example, if you just randomly inherit a bunch of money, you may have some enjoyment of that fact, that fact of inheriting something, but you don't value it. You don't make a valuation of it until you develop a plan for it, until you have to decide what you're going to do about it, until, um, yeah, until you have to make some decision about it. Then it becomes a matter of valuation. But just inheriting the money itself is not, even if that's enjoyable or, or pleasurable, it's not itself a matter of valuation. It becomes a matter of valuation when you need to act on that need to decide what to do with it. Yeah, in section six, which is where I will conclude, I think there's seven or eight sections in the article, um, but I'm going to conclude with section six, which is um, elaborates the interdependence of means and ends. The content, I think it's called the continuity of means and ends or something like that. And again, this is kind of the famous part of Dewey's theory 
So are e, me, um, are ends independent of means? This is the question. Are ends and means independent of each other? Or are they, like Dewey says, interdependent? Are they connected to each other? Um, sometimes we think in everyday life, uh, we sometimes think that ends are separate from means. And this comes out in sayings like the ends justify the means. When someone says the ends justify the means, it means they've got this end, this separate end over here. For example, could be making a lot of money, to use my example, or you know anything else. But then whatever you do to um, attain that end is justified, right? Is okay. So, um, that's one way in which we sometimes think that ends and means are separate, but Dewey's going to reject this way of looking at it, of saying that first you've got an end and then you find some means to get to that end. Dewey's going to say that these happen at the same time. Um, an interesting point he makes is that when ends are separated from means, you get some different problems. So um, when ends, so when you hold up the ends as distinct from the means, you have a kind of utopianism, right? So you have this end that you want to get to, but you don't, you haven't based it on the existing conditions. So you don't know how to get from one to the other. Um, but when means are separated from ends, when you just are focusing on means without considering the ends, then you have drudgery. So this is where you have that those kinds of um, jobs that are repetitive and boring and a kind of drudgery because you don't have an idea of what the end is. This is something that um, a lot of social critics and social philosophers have talked about as a problem with industrialization, is that workers only have knowledge of the means, but they don't understand the ends. So work becomes um, just a kind of toil and drudgery. So Dewey is going to argue that the distinction between ends and means is temporal and relational. So it's temporal um, to make something into a means. So when you have an end, you find means to attain it in your situation. And to make uh, something into a means for attaining an end is also to make it temporarily an end. So I'm going to try to use an example here to make that a little more clear. Uh, for example, to make a lot of money is an end, and one of the means may be making uh, good investments. So let's say, for example, that one way to make a lot of money is to make good investments. But then making good investments becomes its own end, right? And you need to make, you need to find means to attain that end. So you um, attain, you need to find means to attain the end of making good investments, and this could be you know, like doing uh, research and talking to people and looking at what indus industries are doing well and whatever. And um, so then you've got this temporary end, which, is, which itself is a means toward the goal of having more money. And of course, the goal of the end of having um, a lot of money may itself be a means toward something else. For example, uh, security, having security in your life or having... Um, certain pleasures available to you in your life and things like that. So uh, means and ends are always um, kind of shifting and temporal and 
um, there's a con again a continuity of going from means to ends to means to ends to means to ends and so on and so on. So a mean an end is never final for Dewey. And again, it's a sign of immaturity or even insanity to take an end as final as an independent final thing without understanding that the end also has consequences. Attaining the end has future consequences itself and will probably almost surely become a means towards something else. Uh, let's see, what else? Yeah, and the valuation of ends similarly is by only final in that it rep uh, so um, what do I want to say here? The valuation, so valuation of ends is never in itself final, but it can be final in the sense of that it's a conclusion to some process of analysis. So an end can be a conclusion, but it's not really a final finality, right? It can be the conclusion of some process. So making a lot of, you can, I suppose at some point, conclude the process of making a lot of money, say I have enough, um, in which case you've concluded that, um, that trajectory of behavior, but now you have, may have future, there are future consequences for that. Um, and so valuation of that, of an end, is final in that you have analyzed the situation and decided I want to attain this end, for example, making more money. So I, va of, um, I value that, I value that end, but it's only an end insofar as you've concluded this particular analysis. And you may, of course, reanalyze the situation again in the future or change your mind or whatever. Okay, and then just one more thing I'll say about that. So the there's I mentioned before the attained end, the end that you actually get, and the end in view, the thing you actually want. Uh, and these can be different, but the attained end is a coordination of activities, Dewey says. So the end that actually happens, the goal you actually get, the thing you attain, involves a coordination of activities or is a coordination of activities. So getting more money, actually getting more money involves various activities coordinated with each other, you know, checking the stock market and researching stocks or industries, you know, buying um, stocks or investing in companies, developing marketable skills, and um, all kinds of things like that, which all become coordinated toward this um, end, which may be successful or not successful. But if it's successful, again, it involves a coordination of various kinds of activities. But it's this desire and interest in money, this valuation of money as a good thing to work toward, that is the coordinating factor of all these activities. So right, so again, your desire and interest comes out of some situation, maybe not having enough money, and it puts up this end in view. You, it creates this end in view, this thing to work forward, which coordinates all your activities, brings all these different activities into relation to uh, with each other, and hopefully results in the actual attained end of getting more money, which is the outcome of the. Um, these coordinated activities. So just to review some key points, uh, values are not something just out there in the universe, independent of living creatures, of living beings, nor are they simply expressions of feeling. Valuation for Dewey is observable because of um, 
because we can see what an organism uses uses its energy to do. We can see it working towards something rather than something else. Whatever it actually says, we can see what its effort, what it, how it actually uses its um, energies. And valuation arises as an activity because of desire and interest, which themselves arise because of some problem in the current situation that you want to change or the situation that you like is threatened or whatever. Uh, and then successful attainment of valued ends, the ends in view, requires, uh, if it's to be, if it's to have a better than maybe average chance of success or you know a decent chance of success, requires careful consideration of the means available in the situation. And again, these means are temporary ends. So you, when you turn something into a means, it also is an end that you're working towards in order to work towards some broader, some uh, farther away end. And so the means themselves are ends and things that are valued in themselves as uh, something that will, as a resource perhaps, as something that will help you get towards um, another end that you want to attain. Okay, so I think I will stop there. I know that was a, how long did I talk? Who my, almost 30 minutes. Well, that was uh, a bit long, but yeah, this is a, a more difficult and maybe longer a piece of writing that I try to talk about, but um, for these uh, adventures, these little adventures, but it's something I've been uh, working with recently because I'm uh, trying to write something about value. And so I'm trying to read some of the classics in, I guess, my tradition that deal with the question of value. So anyway, this was useful for me, hopefully it was useful for you if you're the kind of person who likes um, Dewey and that tradition. But that's all for today, so see you next time.